0: He says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the, the church. Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Last week, we had a guest minister here that that ministered at our women's retreat, and then ministered here on Sunday morning. And after visiting with uh, some of you this week and and just um, uh, hearing your stories and your testimonies, many people were incredibly blessed by that ministry. Praise God! And then and then there were some people that had some questions about like uh, what we saw demonstrated and. They were just like, so what does Seeds Church believe about prophecy, and, and how do we practice that? And so I think this is a great opportunity for us to look at what the, God's Word says about biblical prophecy. You know, we're, pretty, we're still a pretty young church. We've only been in existence for six and a half years. And in the six and a half years, I've not done any kind of extensive um, or exhaustive teaching on this subject matter. And so I thought, this is a great opportunity to do that so that we can always just come back to what the Bible says. Because here at Seeds, we're not going to build our lives and the foundation of our lives on um, uh, not not my own soul, not my family, not this church, not anything, just on what anyone says. Like, we're not just gonna build it on secondhand information or what anyone does, no matter if it seems good or if we're like, I'm not sure about that, that seems bad. Uh, No matter what we feel about it. No matter how we were raised, no matter our culture, we're always gonna come back to what does God's word say about any given matter in our lives, right? Amen? Amen. So when we come to the word of God, the Holy Spirit helps us and bears witness with our spirit to weigh and test what we experience in the world. And so I wanna encourage you today to take notes. This is going to be a teaching and take good notes. And we're gonna—I'm gonna reference a lot of of pass of, of scripture here, a lot of passages here, specifically mostly from 1 Corinthians and from Romans. But there's gonna be some other things as well, uh, scattered throughout. And uh, and they're not all gonna be on the screen. So take notes of any reference that I might, I'm, I'm going to do. The best job that I can. I'm going to try my best to give you all the references so that you're just not like, where did he, where was that again? I, I, I'm going to try to give you chapter and verse for everything that, that we say here. So I'm going to ask you to first just stand with me because we're going to honor God's word as we make it a habit here at Siege Church. And this isn't, you know, this practice that we do is not unique to Siege Church. You know, we didn't come up with this. The church has been uh, doing this practice for hundreds and hundreds of years, standing for the reading of the Word of God. Today, we're gonna read two scriptures. The first one is an excerpt from the, Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica. And then the, the second verse is uh, from Proverbs from an oracle named Agur. And so we're gonna read these two verses and I'm gonna invite you to read with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Now, Proverbs 30, 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we don't, we don't want to move too fast. We want to be at your speed. And oftentimes, God, because you stand outside of time, sometimes it seems like you are moving slower than we are. So we just want to find your pace. And we want to be in tune with your heart. We want to be in tune with your word. We ask you to Help us not just read your word, but understand your word so that we can understand you. Because God, we want to know you and we want to respond to you the way we ought to. So Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying today. Teach us by your word and by your spirit that we would be people of your word and spirit. God, that we would walk out of this place with a greater and deeper revelation of who you are and who you've called us to be and what you've called us to do, to be on mission for your kingdom. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen. amen. you can be seated. As charismatics, we usually get really excited when someone opens up First Corinthians chapter 12, right? You know, verse 31 says, you know, earnestly desire the higher gifts or in chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, verse one, uh, Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And we're like, yes, this is what makes us super Christians. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I grew up, I grew up in like just charismatic kind of Pentecostal, um, culture, and no one ever said this, but there was a little bit of an air that somehow we, we had it all together, and our Reformed brothers and sisters down the street, they were just missing out on some things. Meanwhile, they, they are exegeting scripture like nobody's business down the street. Praise God. We need the entire body of Christ, Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul lists the nine gifts of the Spirit, and some would say that there's a hierarchy of importance assigned to the gifts. An example of that concept is found in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, where Paul says, and he tells the church, that prophecy is actually greater than tongues. He says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the? The church, the body. So we can see that the gifts of the Spirit uh, are different in terms of importance and relevance. And so today, next week, and probably, because as I'm, I'm compiling notes, probably gonna have to push this into three weeks of teaching here. We're gonna take a look at seven kinds of prophetic gifting, or we could even maybe even say seven levels. And so before we get right into it, let's take a look at the nine power gifts, as they're kind of commonly referred to, uh, that, that Paul refers to here in 1 Corinthians 12. And we do have this passage here for you. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Uh, I would encourage you to know where it is in your own Bible. You know, please bring your Bibles to church. I know we put the scriptures up on the screen most of the time, but be familiar with your own sword. Amen? This is 1 Corinthians 12, verse four. Now, there are varieties of gifts. Do I not have this up there? Okay, bless my heart. Um, There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, what is... Paul's saying here, there's a variety of gifts, so it means there's more than just one gift, okay? There's a, a multitude of gifts, but they don't come from a multitude of spirits. The, the gifts from heaven come from the one spirit, the Holy Spirit. And I think that's important for us to recognize today because uh, we were hearing a little bit about this in the teaching yesterday, that there is an, uh, just um, an influx in our culture today of of new ageism of heathenism uh, people are very spiritual but they're not holy spiritual and so it's un, it's important for us to understand this right here is that there are gifts that are from heaven and they are from the holy spirit and sometimes there are things that are at work, but there are, it's not the Holy Spirit behind them, and we have to discern. We, have, we need discernment for that. And, and then it says, there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and varieties of, of service. So there's a lot of different ways that we can serve the Lord, okay? There's, there's ways that I'm going to be inclined to serve the Lord and gifted to serve the Lord that might be a little different than what Joshua is inclined and how he's gifted to serve the Lord, but it's the same Lord that we're serving. And again, it's important that we recognize that because it all ties together in this illustration that Paul uses about how we are one body. We're different parts, different members, but of the same body with Jesus as the head, right? Right? All right, so then verse seven, 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What is it for? Is it to, I'm giving a manifestation of the Spirit to make me look good, no. to prop me up, no. to make all of you think, oh wow, JD is really spiritual. No. It's for the common good. Now, is it gonna be beneficial to me? Well, well, hopefully, hopefully it is. But it's also given to me because it's for the body. It's for the body, it's for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. That's this first one, the gift of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as who wills? He wills. Is it my will? No, it's his will. So four of these gifts that are mentioned here are what we call them the revelatory gifts. That sounds really fancy, but that just means that it's something that the Holy Spirit reveals. There's some something that, that he makes a person aware of something. And so with the gift of wisdom, a person receives knowledge, special knowledge from the Holy Spirit. And it, and it has to do with something to do or say. Or sometimes a word of wisdom is given and it's something to not do or say because it's wisdom from heaven to do this or say this or to not do this or to not say this. And so the gift of knowledge helps us know what is true. The discerning of spirits helps people recognize is the Holy Spirit in this <laughs> or is this a demonic counterfeit spirit? And then, lastly, prophecy is—it's a, a unique bit of information about how God sees the situation. How does it's—it's like putting on a, God's glasses and looking at a situation through the way that He sees it. Now, the difference between a word of knowledge and a prophetic word can be subtle. A word of knowledge can refer to uh, maybe a theological truth. Maybe it reveals a person's need. Uh, it can also refer to something that happened uh, in the past. It can, happen, it can be referring to something that's happening right now, a current circumstance. And then, and then prophecy largely deals with what's coming, what's happening out there in the future that we can be looking for. So Paul urges us to seek higher spiritual gifts. And in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, he says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. King James says it, that they are without repentance, right? Which means God gives these things to people and people are gonna use them, okay? It's up to us to use them, and sometimes we, I'm gonna get into this in a minute, sometimes people use them correctly, sometimes we don't use them correctly. Sometimes we use them, and we have the fruit of the Spirit attached to the gifts of the Spirit, and it gives God glory, and sometimes some people have a gift, and they've disconnected the fruit of the Spirit from their life, and you look at them, and you're going, how can they operate in the gift of the Spirit when their life is a train wreck? It's because God gave them that gift. So, and I'm not saying God approves of their life being a train wreck. So this is the kind of, uh, of a paradox in Scripture because surely seeking a high-level gift would cause a person to want to walk closely with God, Right, God, I'm earnestly desiring the gifts. And so because of that, I want to walk close to you. Because of that, I want to walk in humility. Because of that, God, if there's sin in my life, I want to walk in repentance to you, right? That makes sense. And on the other hand, this is the paradox, is that at the same time, there's no amount of humility and there's no amount of, of repentance that can guarantee that you will receive a high-level gift. Because, why? Because at the end of the day, it is the will of the Spirit to whom he gives the gifts to. The gifts are given sovereignly. 1 Corinthians twelve eleven, Paul says, it's the Spirit that decides which gift to give each person, which one each person should have. And an interesting question that I think that we could ask ourselves is this. Concerning prophetic gifts. When Paul urged the Corinthians to earnestly desire of the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14, and he said, especially that you may prophesy, was he encouraging the Christians in Corinth to aspire to be the next Elijah? What was Paul suggesting? that God needs another Moses, that God needs another Samuel, Habakkuk, or Joel to emerge and lead and judge a nation as as one desires the gift of prophecy. Was Paul challenging the the Corinthians to be the next generation of Elishas and Deborahs and Daniels? Was it his intention to, to lay the foundation for prophets in the New Testament church to be exactly the way that it was in the Old Testament with the ancient Israel. Well, I don't think so, uh, and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of great theologians that that are we're on the same track with this, because in the New Testament church there were people that were giving prophecies, and as we read through the New Testament, we can logically put this together of saying, this was a normal practice. It was normal. However, unlike in the New Testament like it was in the Old Testament, the emphasis is not on the prophet. The emphasis is on the prophecy. The emphasis, or the the, the pinnacle thing isn't the messenger, the pinnacle thing is the message. Does that make sense? And to be honest, there are still a lot of unnamed prophets in the Old Testament. I, I kind of love those stories sometimes when you're reading and um, maybe first Kings, you're reading about, you know, Ahab and this an unnamed prophet just comes and like gives him a prophecy. Who is this guy? Where did he come from? We don't know but it goes to prove the point that the emphasis is is really never really on the prophet. The emphasis is on what is God saying? What is God saying? That's where the attention needs to be. So in Romans chapter 12, verse three, Paul urges the Romans to be careful to not think more highly of themselves than they ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I'll read that last part again. The measure of faith that God has assigned. The measure. John chapter three, verse 34, uses that same Greek word to show that Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure, but we have it with measure which is probably a really good thing, because we're not Jesus. Now to be honest, really this is kind of a sobering thought to realize that we all have a limit to our gifting, and we have a place within the body. And it's humbling to admit what your limits are, but you know what? That's okay because it's critically important to recognize that God is the source of any good thing that you have in your life. If you have any kind of power, if you have any kind of gift, it's not about you, it's about God. It came from him. The Spirit willed that you would have it, not because you earned it, just because he gave it to you sovereignly. So when you try to move beyond how the Spirit has gifted you or how the Spirit is leading and instructing you, that's where we get into trouble. And the other thing that we see in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, is, is that God does not promote you to the level according to your incompetence. That is good news. It means that like God can use me just as I am today. That is great news, praise God, that he uses imperfect jars of clay. And I believe what Paul was trying to get across was that humility is very key for us because nobody can do everything. You know, when we're young, we think we can do it all. As we get older and hopefully as we get wiser, because there are some older people who are not wise. Experience and time do not always bring wisdom. It's not a guarantee. But hopefully, we become more humble as we get older. So I wanna say this to our teenagers in the room, I wanna say this to our folks who are in their 20s in the room. I'm not saying that there's a, a definite age cutoff, and I'm not saying that this is specific to everybody in these age groups, but I wanna let you know, right now, choose in your life now to walk in humility. Don't wait to your 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s to learn humility, learn it today. Learn it today. And so for some, learning humility is a real challenge to our pride. The reality is, is that nobody has all of these motivational gifts that are listed here uh, in, in the ones that Paul describes in Romans chapter 12, the power gifts that he, he, um, he describes in 1 Corinthians. No, nobody has them except for Jesus. I think if we look at the life of Jesus, we can see all of these gifts operating in his life. Now, some people who aren't walking in humility... Uh, some people just want a higher profile in the body of Christ. So they might act as if they have a gift. They might put on like they have a special ability that God has granted them. And I have seen people over the years manipulate and um, they, they do it behind closed doors privately, closed door meetings. They do it publicly and they do it so they'll get more opportunities or they'll get seemingly greater opportunities uh, and it makes them, it feeds the ego, right? It feeds the ego. And this isn't specific to you know, abusing the gifts of the spirit. We, this, this is like a everyday life thing in, that, in people's lives that we see all the time. People putting on a mask, pretending to be something that they're not so that, ooh, yeah, that feels good people recognizing me. But ultimately, uh, people who are doing it for a claim, that's not gonna last. And I've even seen people who are not putting on that they have a gift. They they really do. They have been gifted and granted a gift of the Spirit. And, And they operate in that gift. And so it's really not a question about whether or not do they have a gift or not? They're operating in that gift, but unfortunately, they, they might have that gift, but they've divorced the gift from the gift of the Spirit from the fruit of the Spirit. And that's another way we get into error. They're gifted, but they have no character. Instead, they are a character. And I'm gonna use an example. A few years ago, uh, do you guys remember when there was i can't remember if there was a a term that was that was um, it was coined, but the revival that was happening in lakeland Florida and the the main prophetic leader of that movement was Todd Bentley and there were, there were prophetic voices from all around the country that came and laid hands on him and blessed him and said, this is of God. And then there were some people who were like, this isn't, something's not right here. I don't know what it is, but my discerner on the inside is flashing red. And I can't put my finger on it because it seemed like there were miracles were happening, seemed like there was, there were, the gifts of the spirit were in operation. Something seemed a little awry to the people who were discerning. And then some people were all in because they were just looking at the gifts. And they were like, oh, well, God is in this because the gift is is in operation. And then it came out that he was having an affair with his secretary. And then that whole thing crumbled and shut down. And then fortunately, some of those people that had blessed him came out and said, we were wrong. (laughs) We were wrong. We shouldn't have been so quick to lay hands on this and bless this. Because we gotta not just inspect the gift, we gotta inspect the fruit. Amen? Amen. That was a freebie, that wasn't even my notes. And I'm gonna say this too, because it's happening right here in front of us today. If you don't know about it, that's fine. But if you are, if this is in your purview, what's happened at at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City with Mike Bickle is a great example. it's happening right now today, what has been hidden and covered is being uncovered. And I'm not saying that Mike, his, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not saying 100% certain that Mike wasn't gifted by the Spirit. But I am saying 100% certain Mike abused his gift. And if you read any of the stories, you will see that, where he told blatant lies to people to manipulate them. And how he was able to get away with it was because. People had seen him operate in his gift before and they were awed and wowed by it. And now it is a black eye for, for the International have Prayer in Kansas City and anybody who's been connected with him. I have people that I know who have written books that Mike has endorsed. And I'm just thinking, well, they're gonna need to get a new printing of their book without Mike's name in it now. The next printing the publishers are gonna be like, uh, Mike's name, his endorsement's gonna have to come out of the front of the book. And it's that serious, guys. We can't divorce the fruit of the Spirit from the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, all of that was extra and free. (laughs) And now we have to stay 10 minutes extra because I went on that. (laughs) All right. Don't, like, have character. Don't be a character, Amen. So having said all that, let's now look at these uh, start looking at these seven different giftings, or seven different levels of prophetic gifting. And let me say this: I didn't come up with this. I mean, I don't think I'm stupid, but I think there's a lot of people out there who are a lot smarter than me. And one of those is Dr. R. T. Kendall, who Uh, has a foot in the charismatic world and a foot in the reformed world, and he is such a blessing to the body of Christ and knows how to exegete scripture and knows how to operate in the gifts of the spirit. And uh, this is an old guy who I pray still has a few more years with us here on earth. And I would love someday if we were at all possible to get him to come here to Seeds Church. He is a major blessing, travels the world, uh, pastored... um, uh, Westminster Chapel in London for like 30 years. Awesome, man. So this is where I, I got this concept of the different levels and, and how they stack, okay? Uh, just giving credit where it's due. When I, when I saw this teaching, I thought, well, this is really a really intelligent and brilliant way to look at this. More important than the brilliance of it, I just thought, this is biblically sound, okay? So, Think about it like a pyramid. We're, we have a, an image we're gonna put up here on the screen. And this is, this is the best I could do as, uh, of this pyramid with, with these things. Hmm? Yeah. Okay, yes, there you go, close enough. And at the lowest level, at the very bottom, we have general exhortation, and then we work our way up with nerd of, uh, not nerd of wallage, but, <laughs> but word of knowledge. Prophetic warnings, prophetic preaching, testifying under persecution, non-canonical prophecy, and then, what's at the very top? Holy scripture. Holy scripture, so praise the Lord. Today, we're gonna start at the bottom, we're gonna start working our way up, we are not gonna get through all of these, and some of you are like, looking at your watch, and you're like, I hope we're not gonna get through all of these, um, so so go ahead and make plans today to be here next week, okay? Just make the decision now. Uh, we're, we're going to get to bed on Saturday at a decent hour. We're going to get up. We're going to get to church. We're going to hear the rest of this teaching. And possibly it's going to bleed into a third week. All right, so we'll start at the bottom. Level seven, general exhortation. The day uh, uh, um, there, there was a, a, a missionary to Kenya. He's not with us any longer. Dr. Michael Eaton. He said that, that general exhortations are like low-level prophecy, It's like low-level prophecy. A word of general exhortation can come from any Christian, anybody. It can be a blessing to the body of Christ, and it can be done publicly, and it can be done privately. It can be up here in front of a stage, in front of all of you, or it can be behind closed doors. And For example, let me just give you this example. You might be in here, and someone comes in here, to the barn of the Lord, you see them walking through the doors, or maybe you see them across from the room, and you just wanna, you just go over to them and you greet them and say something like, you know, I'm just so glad you're here. It's so good to see you. You know, you belong here. How simple is that? And to that person, at that time, they might be going like, wow, really? Because I, I, I I'm I'm feeling like I am being drawn here, or I was questioning some things, but man, you just you just confirmed something to me, and they might not even say all that; they might just smile and nod, but we don't know what's going on on the inside of a person. And and what just happened there was a general exhortation, which God used. To be a real and genuine encouragement to someone who needed it at that moment and you didn't even know. When, when giving a general exhortation, it's likely, highly likely, that you don't feel any kind of special unction of the spirit. It's highly likely that you know you don't feel you know goosebumps or any kind of tingling sensation you just kind of feel this desire to pass a word on that seems fitting. And I've seen this time after time where the Holy Spirit makes a big difference in the life of another person just because someone just said something simple like, hey, it's by no accident that you're here today. God has something for you today. And a word like that, if the Holy Spirit should be in it, it can be incredibly life giving to a person. And, and let me say this even when the Holy Spirit is in it, you, if you're giving that general word of exhortation, you still may have no idea how it impacted that person. And the Holy Spirit was all over it. I was just talking to somebody here in the Seeds family a couple of weeks ago about how they had recently discovered and found out, it kind of got back to them that they had given some general exhortations to a couple of people and it was incredibly meaningful for those people. It was incredibly meaningful for a couple of these people. And this, this person said that his experience was basically exactly like what I'm describing right now. There was no special, special unction. There was no goosebumps. There was no you know, tingling sensation or anything like that. He just said some simple, encouraging words to these people, and the Holy Spirit was in it to minister to them in ways that this person could have had no clue whatsoever. W- words of general exhortation are given all the time. Oftentimes, even this morning here from the stage during worship, there were some exhortations that were being given. Uh, For example, I remember one man saying that he heard a worship leader say, "Um, let's just sing right now as if like our singing gives God pleasure. And that, that the guy said, I had never, it never dawned on me that my singing could give God pleasure. And so what did that stir within him? What did that make him want to do? It wanted to make him sing out and sing from the depths of his heart and his soul and sing with his body because he was realizing this gives God pleasure. That that word, it was a general exhortation, but it connected with him. So this kind of of low-level prophecy, it can stir the hearts of the hearers. And in turn, this is what it's all about. It's about giving glory to God. It's about magnifying God, giving God pleasure. There's not really any great qualifications that you need to meet in order to give a general exhortation, okay? The prophet Elijah could do it. The apostle Paul could do it. I can do it. You can do it. Anyone can do it. Anyone. And we can all do it to be a blessing to the body and give glory and honor to God, amen? All right, let's go up a level. That was not. Is that better? Joshua's wearing a Mario shirt this morning, so just maybe we use that noise instead of, you know. Um, Sorry. Word of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? It's an utterance, it's a message. It even may be a sound teaching. Uh, Or often, it's this. Often, it's a personal word about what's happening or what has happened in a person's life. Something that the person who got the word and is giving the word could never know by themselves. Okay? And one of the reasons that words of knowledge are important is because when someone comes to me and they have a word of knowledge and they tell me something about my past that there's no way they could have known or they tell me something about my present situation that there's no way they could have known, you know what that does? It gets my attention. And I say, I need to to pay attention to what God's saying. Not not to just what the words that are coming out of this person's mouth, I need to tune my spirit into the Holy Spirit. Because God might be wanting to remind me hey, I see you, I haven't forgotten you. Or sometimes a word of knowledge will be given so that we're reminded, oh, I I need to get in line. I need to remember what God did and come back to that and walk in obedience or walk in steadfastness and walk in perseverance. God hasn't forgotten this. He's not let this slide, I'm still in it to win it. So some people have it in their mind that in order to have a word of knowledge, you know, they, they need to have some kind of high level of spiritual gifting, like an Old Testament prophet. But that's not really the picture that we get when we read 1 Corinthians, when Paul's urging us to prophesy. I will say this, those that do have like high level prophetic giftings can operate in levels of general, general exhortation, they can operate in words of knowledge, but those who operate at the level of prophesying that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 14 should not think of themselves as a modern-day Elijah, okay? Or modern-day Nathan. Could the Lord grant this? Well, of course he could. He's the Lord. But we should be reminded, again, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, when Paul cautions us, to not think more highly of ourselves, to not think of our gift more highly than we ought to because we are just a member in the body. Like I said a second ago, a word of knowledge is a revelation from the Holy Spirit about a past situation, about a present situation. Uh, For example, in 1 Samuel chapter nine, Samuel is going to anoint Saul to be king. And at this time, Saul's really not anybody. He's just a dude from the tribe of Benjamin who lost his dad's donkeys. And Samuel comes to him and he says, this is exactly where you'll find your donkeys and this is how to get them back. Was that because Samuel was on the road and he saw where the donkeys were? No, he knew. He had a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit and it was the, 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 the gateway for Saul to start walking toward the kingship where Samuel was going to anoint him. Another example is Acts chapter five when Ananias and Sapphira sold some property and they said, they came to the church and said, look at what we did. Look at all of, uh, we sold this property and we're gonna give all these funds to the church. And Peter's like, gets a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. Nope, you're lying right now. And I don't even know why. Why would you lie about this? You know why they lies? Same reason we talked about earlier, because it makes them look good, props them up. Everybody look at me. But they didn't even have to do that. So what they did is they came and they brought a portion of what they had sold, a portion of the income that they had received and said, well, this is all of it. Look how awesome we are. And the Holy Spirit told Peter, nope. They are lying. That is not all of the income that they received. And again, it wasn't about what they gave. It was about that they lied. Peter even said, why did you do this? And you know what happened? Woo, that will give you some of the fear of the Lord right there. We need that kind of the fear of the Lord to return to today's church. All right, a word of wisdom. word of wisdom is a revelation that surpasses human knowledge or intellect. There are levels of, of natural wisdom and natural intellect that are available to us. And again, not all of us are on the same level when it comes to this, but then there is a, something above natural wisdom and it's wisdom from heaven. And we saw this in operation in Solomon's life. First Kings chapter three is the first instance where we see, you know, these two ladies who are having this dispute over who, 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 whose child is this? Who does this baby belong to? And then Solomon exercises word of wisdom. And then, of course, the situation had a righteous outcome, praise God. Now, words of knowledge, I have seen words of knowledge be spectacular before, like head scratching, like names being revealed that didn't, there's no way that you could know that, addresses, phone numbers, that kind of stuff. And again, why is that important? It's, again, it's not to prop up the person who's giving the word of knowledge. It's so that we go, I need to pay attention to the Lord, He's revealing some things that nobody else could know right now. I need to hone in. And then I've also seen words of knowledge, and, 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 I, and I have operated in a word of knowledge, but they're not, not quite as extraordinary, but they are just as timely, and it gave God glory. Um, I'll tell this story. Um, one time in college, I had a student under me. Uh, Jamie and I were were leading worship. It was our first kind of ministry job, but it wasn't full-time, and we were leading worship every day at the college that we had graduated from. They had a chapel service that opened every morning before classes, and so we were worship leaders there. And I had a student that was on the worship team come to me, and he said, hey, I'm not gonna be at school tomorrow um, I'm, you know, I've got something going on and I'm just not gonna be able to make it. And I just thought, okay, well, that's really weird. I mean, it's like, this is your normal schedule and maybe he has a doctor's appointment or something. But I kind of probed. I'm like, are you all right, man? Like, you going to the doctor? No, 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 I'm not, it's nothing like that. My health is fine. I just have something that came up and I need to attend to it. I said, okay. I was like, well, that's kind of weird, whatever. Didn't really think about it. Next morning, I was in the shower, I was kind of getting ready for the day, and uh, I felt, discerned, that the Holy Spirit revealed to me exactly why that guy was missing school. And it was stupid, it was nonsensical. It was, and what it was showing and revealing is that his attention and his heart and his affections were attached to something that God said, that's not what I want you to be attached to. It wasn't necessarily anything sinful, but it was, he was misguided and misdirected. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, we're gonna test this out and see what happens. So the next day, he's returned back. He missed that day and he came back the the following day and I pulled him aside. I didn't do this in front of people, okay? Pull him aside and I said, hey, I know why you missed. his eyes started kind of getting a little big. And I said, this is what you were doing, wasn't it? This is where you were, and this is what you were doing. Uh, How did you know? Who told you? I said, I felt like the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. Now, I didn't start with that. I didn't open with that. God told me (laughs) da-da-da-da-da. No, I just simply said what I had to say, and then... He was like, that's true. And I was like, he's like, how did you know? I was like, I believe the Lord showed it to me to tell you so that you can get your priorities in line. Okay? So that's another example here. Um, I'll give you one other example of a word of knowledge that happened in my life. In 2016, late 2016, Jamie and I had been discerning that we were going to plant Seeds Church, but I was on staff still at a church in Nashville. But like maybe six people on the planet knew that we were going through this. And one of them was my senior leader at that church. But not very many people knew at this time that we had made the decision that this is where we're gonna head. So it was a Sunday morning, service hadn't started yet. I'm standing back there by the tech booth in the sanctuary, and people are walking through the door, I'm having casual conversations, and all of a sudden, like a man on a mission, Pastor Russell, who wasn't a pastor at that time, it was just Russell, uh, was, he came right through the, the doors of the sanctuary, exactly to, our, what, to where I was. He says, can I speak to you just for a second? I said, sure, we stepped off kind of to the side, and he told me what it is that he had to say, and for him, it was incredibly unremarkable it was kind of like, I don't really know what this means, but I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. And it was maybe kind of coded to him. It wasn't, he didn't know the weight of what he was saying. But for me, I knew exactly what it was that he was saying. And it got my attention. And then what it did is, is it confirmed, it was a confirming word for me and Jamie that we were on the right path, headed in the right direction to plant this church. And the word that he gave me wasn't God's calling you to plant seeds church. It wasn't direct like that. It, he, again, what he said was it, it didn't, it was very general to him, but it was not general to me. And then you know what he did? He, he says, there you have it, and turned around and walked off to some other part of the building. And at that time, he and I knew each other, but we weren't like uh, f- close like we are now. He, he wasn't even in full-time ministry at this time. He we, we had maybe, over the three years that we had known each other at that time, maybe shared one meal together. But it was like, he had this, like, I think this is, I'm supposed to do this as he's driving to church. I found this out later because he did not tell me at the time, but he was driving to church that morning. He felt like the Holy Spirit put that word in his heart for me. Again, not somebody that's on his regular radar And he felt like the Holy Spirit told him exactly where I was going to be in the building. Now, if you have ever been to Christ Church Nashville, it is a gigantic campus built on the side of a hill with many different buildings, many different levels. They have escalator in the church, guys. They have an escalator in the church. Okay. And he didn't, so he's like, the Holy Spirit revealed to him where exactly I was going to be. And he got out of his car and walked exactly there. And I was there. Again, now, he didn't tell me any of that until much later, until I told him a few days later, hey, this is, what, this is what, <laughs> what you said. So he turned around and walked off, didn't even pray with me. It was just like, wow, well, that wasn't very remarkable, was it? Not for him, but it was a word of knowledge for me. And it, again, it wasn't about him, it was about what God was saying and doing. Praise God. And so I want to I stress this. He did not come up to me and say, the Lord told me. Okay? He didn't say that. Um, but, but because of the weight of the word that he had given, I knew the Lord had told him. Okay? I was able to discern that. And so I didn't need him to tell me so. And I want to stress this. Saying things like the Lord told me It it, it doesn't do a lot really to make the Lord look good. Why? Because the statement doesn't focus on the Lord. The statement focuses on not the one who gave the word, but the one who received the word. The Lord told me. And I'm not saying that every person's heart is in that place, okay? I'm not saying that. But that's how it can come across, and I tell you what, and I have seen that happen before, where you're saying, the Lord told me, and you can just kind of tell, it makes them feel good that the Lord told them. Saying the Lord told me can be misusing the name of the Lord because, like I said, sometimes it can just it can be like name dropping to make you look good. And sometimes the Lord didn't say, but you still used it, as a rubber stamp. Um, Most of the time, it doesn't really matter how deeply that you feel as if the Lord told you something or not. And I'll say this. Sometimes we, the, the, the Holy Spirit leads us and he's calling us to things to walk in obedience to him, but because we don't see some big flashing neon light hanging on the wall with an arrow pointing down And like a message board saying exactly, you know, we're like, well, I'm not gonna do that because I'd I'd rather not step out and, and make a mistake. Well, it would be better for you to operate in faith and go, God, if you're in this, I don't want to disobey you. And step out and make that step of faith and say that thing or do that thing, but you don't have to attach God's name to it. Just do it, just be obedient. Okay. And if the Lord is in it, then it will, there will be fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. And if the Lord isn't in it and it was just you, then hey, okay, all right. No harm, no foul because you didn't misuse the name of the Lord. Right? right? Again, I would rather err on the side of I wanna be obedient than going, well, I don't wanna make a mistake. Okay? Okay when we always are going, well, I don't want to make a mistake. Nothing great has ever happened in life by people who said, oh, I never want to make a mistake. No, greatness has always come from a step of faith, okay? But it's important the way we take those steps of faith. In some circles uh, that operate in prophetic things, People have felt like they have needed to use things like, well, the Lord told me to validate what they're saying. But for some people, it's just a habit that they learned. It's just something that they demonstra- that Saul demonstrated. And so they picked up on that and repeated that because they just thought, well, this is what you do. Okay, their, their intent is not in the wrong place. They don't have, it's not always, every time someone says that, it's not always an indicator of they're making it about them. Sometimes it's just the culture that they have been in and they've seen these things demonstrated in, okay? So I wanna say that. And, and while I would disagree with them that, that saying all the time the Lord told me it's not a best practice, okay? I, I would say, well, that's not a best practice. I'm still gonna show grace and mercy to people, who might say that in accidental error, and I want to keep my discernment up, right? Because maybe God is in this. Just because they maybe said it in a way that I disagree with, doesn't mean that God's not saying it. And and, and so, and I'll say this, if the Lord grants me the opportunity and influence to lovingly bring some correction to people, I will do that. But I'm not gonna run around and be the police of everybody. And so, but but either way I am going to exercise discernment when hearing what they say. I'm going to judge it and I'm going to weigh it and I'm going to measure it not according to my flesh, not according to my natural intellect, not according to my experiences in the past, but according to the scriptures and what the Holy Spirit is bearing witness. Amen. What do you, Sorry guys, we're just I told you it's going to be 10 minutes later than normal. What do we do with a word that doesn't resonate? You know, sometimes we <laughs> we anyway having your friends in the front row sometimes is not a good thing. So, um, <laughs> what do you were you trying to tell me to hurry up because the Super Bowl is on later? Okay, anyway, no, no. Uh, what do you what do you do what do you do with a word that doesn't resonate? And you're like, well, I'm not really sure about that. Now, sometimes you might get a word and you're like, uh, that's, mm, that's not biblical, mm-hmm. okay? That's not biblical. Um, the Holy Spirit is not in that. He is not calling me to leave my wife and go have an affair with this person on the prayer team over here, okay? Or on the worship team. Yeah. That kind of stuff happens, guys. Yeah. That's not the Holy Spirit, yeah. Okay, but sometimes somebody can give you a word and you're like, well, I don't know what to do with that. Well, you just take that and you put it on the shelf. Go. You don't have to immediately just spit it out or throw it out. You know, like the old saying, like eat the hay and spit out the sticks, right? It's what the cows do. Eat the fish, spit out the bones. We could keep going. I'll just stop right there. Eat the corn, not the cob. Uh, So you just take that word, you stick it on the shelf, and go, all right, don't know what to do that. We're gonna stick that right there. And you know what? Six weeks later, six months later, or in one case in my life, six years later, I was like, oh my gosh. What that guy shared, that is for the season that we're walking in now. And what that did is it... It built, it built faith in me. It built faith in me for obedience and endurance and perseverance to keep going after the things that I feel like God is calling me for. Yeah. Okay, so there's some things when you go, okay, well, this is obviously not from God. We're gonna throw that out. But some things you're like, I don't know. So just stick it on the shelf. All right, praise the Lord. JD, are there times when it's okay to say the Lord told me so? Or thus saith the Lord. Maybe. Those kinds of words should only be uttered or used if one has oath-level assurance from God that he has spoken. We don't have time to go into this today in great measure, but I'll say it this way. If you would not die for what's about to come out of your mouth, then you just shouldn't say, the Lord told me so. Just don't attach the Lord's name to it. I'm not saying don't say the thing. You wanna walk in in faith, and you wanna step out in what you think is obedience. You just don't have to always say, the Lord told me so, okay? If if, If you would not die for the truth of what you're saying, just leave the Lord's name out of it and say something more like this. Hey, I feel compelled to share this with you. Okay? This way you will not have made it about you, and you will not have abused the name of God, even if it was by accident. Okay. Dr. Kendall uh, uh, tells this story about 12 years ago. He was at a conference in, uh, I think it was Scotland, somewhere in Great Britain. And this lady comes up to him and says, hey, every time I see you, I get this uh, sensation sensation something's going on with your heart. He's like, like my physical heart? And she's like, yeah. So he comes, after his travels, he comes back to the States, comes back home, and he schedules an echocardiogram, which revealed that he needed immediate open heart surgery. That word saved his life. But again, the lady didn't come up to him and say, thus saith the Lord, something's wrong with your heart. She just said what she had to say, left it with him, and he discerned. He felt the weight that, hey, the Holy Spirit might be on this. I need to look into this, okay? There's a story about Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts, who was the leader of the Welsh revival, 1904 to 1905 or six, somewhere in there. Amazing revival. Evan Roberts um, was staying at someone's home, and there was a guy in the area, a young man, who had heard that Evan Roberts, Evan Roberts was in the area. He's like, I've, I, I've, he's distraught about situation in his life. I've got to see Evan Roberts. I've got to see Evan Roberts. So he tracks down where Evan Roberts is staying, and he goes, and he walks miles to get there. And <laughs> knocks on the door. The host of the home comes. Says, hey, can I help you? And he says, Hey, is Evan Roberts here? Yes, and he is here. Can I see him, please? And so the host says, All right, well, we just wait right here. The host goes upstairs, knocks on Evan Roberts' door. Evan Roberts is in his time of prayer, his personal prayer. He says, Hey, there's a young man here. He seems kind of distraught. He's asking to, to see you, to meet you. Evan Roberts is like, Well, I'm in prayer right now. And so this is the primary thing that's happening. This is my appointment with the Lord. So he's, this guy's gonna have to wait, can't meet him. What if we still had that kind of attitude today? Praise God. And I called up Scott. Scott, I need to have coffee with you. And you're like, well, I can't. I'm having meeting my time with God. You know how many of us would get upset and offended by that? We think my time is more valuable than his. Come on, let's get... Let's get the fear of the Lord. Let's spend some time with the Lord, amen? So the host goes back down, talks to the young guy. I'm sorry, he can't t- talk to you right now. This, this kid doesn't leave. This young guy doesn't leave. He's just like, I- I've got to speak with him. I've walked miles to be here. So the host goes back up, knocks on the door. Evan Roberts is like, what's up? He's like, hey man, this, please just come down here. Just take five minutes of your time and, you know, just appease this kid. He says, no, not, not, I can't do that. I'm spending time with the Lord. But give him Psalms 2710, I think it was. So the host goes downstairs. He says, hey, Evan Roberts is not coming out to meet you, but he said to give you Psalm 2710, which says, I think that's the reference. It says, even if your mother and your father forsake you, the Lord will take you in. And Evan Roberts had no idea that this guy had had a major breach in his relationship with his mother and father, and he had just been kicked out of his home. And that kid left there, that young man left there, not upset that he didn't get to see Evan Roberts, he left there knowing that God saw him and that God was gonna handle this and that he was not overlooked by the Lord and he left there with confidence and assurance. Isn't that good? That's a great word of knowledge. And how was Evan Roberts to ever know that? And so a word of knowledge can be incredibly encouraging to someone in a crisis. And that level of prophecy, it might not always be spectacular, but it is pure gold to the person who, Who needs it at that time? Now let's go to the sex at next level. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) That's all we have time for today. Would you just stand with me? We'll, We'll pick this up where we left off next week. I don't know that we'll be able to get through five more of these, but we'll see. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you as something that we can always come to. Lord, I thank you like, it's like a, it's like a plumb line. We can just make sure everything is level. We can measure ourselves and our experiences to your word. We don't have to wonder always, was God in that or not? Sometimes it's a question and we walk in discernment and time will tell but oftentimes lord your word just like gives us such clear understanding and so we desire it and we love it and we want to hide it in our hearts so thank you for your word and thank you for the spiritual gifts god your word uh, paul paul tells us in your word that we should earnestly desire them so god i just pray that we're we're going to be committed lord to be people of your word not people of our past not people of our culture not people of our our limited experiences. Um, but Lord, we wanna just, again, measure ourselves to your word. And what, if your word says it, we want it. If your word says it, we want it. We just make that declaration now. No matter where we are on, you know, the scale or the spectrum of, of you know, spiritual gifts, we say, if you have it, we want it. And Lord, you're the one, we acknowledge Holy Spirit, you're the one who assigns the gifts. So you, you told us to desire them, but we recognize you're the one who gives them. So Lord, if we do feel like that we have been given a spiritual gift, help us to walk in faith and obedience uh, and help us not walk out of bounds of the scripture. But Lord, we, we don't wanna walk just, um, we don't wanna be like the, the, the servant who buried his talent Who who took everything that the master had given him, you know, a million dollars, and he just buried it in the ground because he was afraid he was gonna lose it or misuse it. Lord, we do have a fear of you, healthy awe and respect. But Lord, I pray that that would motivate us to not bury the gifts that you've given to us, but instead that we would put them to use in an operation. And God, there's gonna be times where we get it right and praise the Lord, and there's gonna be times where we might miss it, but we're always gonna come back to your word and we're gonna walk in humility and repentance. And that's our commitment to you in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you need to get your soul right with God, with Jesus Christ, I wanna tell you some good news. Jesus, the son of God, left heaven and he came to earth. He was born not of the seed of man, but of the seed of heaven. And he lived a perfect life, which means he was setting himself up to be the perfect sacrifice for all sin, for all mankind. And he died on a cross to pay the penalty for all of our sin, for all of your sin. And then death couldn't hold him down because three days later he victoriously rose from the grave and then he walked the earth for 40 days and then he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God interceding for us for you and today if you are not in the kingdom of God I want to invite you to surrender your life to Jesus today and say, yeah, I wanna join God's kingdom, I wanna join his family, I wanna be called a son, I wanna be called a daughter, I wanna turn and repent from my wicked evil ways and from my sin, and I wanna give myself to following Jesus. If that's you today, you can do that. You can make that decision. And it's not about a special prayer with all the exact right words, like it's some kind of like, you know, Something in a fairy tale book, if we say exactly the right words, bibbidi bobbidi boop then this will happen. No, it is about a lifestyle of saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. I will die to myself daily, and I will follow you. That's what it means. You can make that decision today. And I wanna help you take that first step. I'm gonna pray, and I would invite you to just pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I just turn from my sin. I repent. I acknowledge that I am not holy as you are holy. And so I repent of my sin and I turn to you and I ask you to cover me in the blood of Jesus that pays the penalty for my sin. And and redeem me back as as a son of God, as a daughter of God into your kingdom. Turn from that, and I turn toward you, Jesus, and I declare, I wanna follow you all the days of my life. And so I ask you right now to fill me with your Holy Spirit, make me new, wash me white as snow, make me fit for good use in your kingdom. I want to be committed to be a disciple, which means just following you every day, getting up, and I might make a mistake, but I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna keep following you. I'm gonna keep following you. That's what I want, Lord. So I believe, Jesus, that you are Lord, that you are the son of God, and God, that you raised Jesus from the dead. And now I'm asking you to resurrect my dead self that was dead in my sin, to raise me to new life in Christ. And I receive your forgiveness, and I receive your cleansing wash, and I receive the purpose that you have for my life. And I receive the, the call and the command to join the mission of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just said that prayer with me, you made the best decision for all of eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Not just the best decision of the day. It's not about, ooh, you know, I placed my bet on the right team. Who cares about that? You made a decision that's going to affect your eternity. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Our prayer team, yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> Our prayer team is gonna come down front right here to the front and they're going to be here available to pray with you for any need that you might have today. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and for all the ages. And the people of God said amen. 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 Go in peace and in power to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com